the author of the scriptures needs to be ultimately doing the teaching, which is the Holy Spirit of God, mm -hmm. because that's where right. the power is at. The more that they learn God's word, the stronger their convictions become. Character is who you are. Conduct, on the other hand, is what you do. Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week we come together, we have conversations about theology, about ministry, church leadership, uh, church history, on and on and on. All the subjects that we cover in LFBI, uh, we want to have sidebar conversations about those things and invite you to be a part and hear from pastors and leaders uh, that have uh, insight that you might be able to glean from. And so uh, this week, uh, we are going to be talking about children's ministry. And since the 1940s and 50s, uh, Sunday school has been a staple in Baptist churches. It's been a big deal. There's a long history behind the idea of Sunday school, but in the 40s and 50s, there was a really strong shift towards investing time and energy uh, into biblical education for children. And obviously, over time, the idea of children's ministry has evolved. Uh, some churches uh, treating it as an opportunity to entertain children and, uh, and distract them for a couple of hours. Uh, other churches, uh, like the churches that, that come from the Living Faith Fellowship, we want to make sure that we're being incredibly intentional about investing God's Word into children and, and using Sunday school as an opportunity to disciple uh, at every single age and every stage of development. Uh, now, there are many, many people in the fellowship and people involved in LFBI that do children's ministry. And I know that this is a topic uh, that a lot of people are interested in because you are in the trenches. You are uh, weekly uh, spending time with children and making that investment. And so uh, we want to invite the experts in uh, to, to talk about it and, and to help you uh, glean some more information and, uh, and inspiration uh, about children's ministry. And to do that, I have invited uh, one of my dearest friends, one of my longest friends, uh, Pastor Bo Green, pastor in uh, Maple City Baptist Church in Monmouth, Illinois. Uh, he's also the author of Under Construction, which is this book right here, Under Construction, How to Build a Children's Ministry. So I want to make sure I hold that up so everybody can see it. Uh, a fantastic book, and this is actually the required reading in our children's ministry class here at LFBI. And so with that long introduction, Bo, welcome to the show, man. Hey, really thanks. Good to have thanks, you. brother. Thank you. So, Bo, a, a lot of our listeners probably aren't familiar with you. This is your first time on the show. And so I always like to begin with uh, people sharing their testimony, testimony of salvation. And then I think it's also important for people to hear how you got into children's ministry to ben begin with, how you ended up in Monmouth uh, doing this kind of work. And so sure. maybe you can begin there. Okay. So I grew up, I'm originally from Kansas City. And gosh, when when I was four years old, uh my dad was an alcoholic. We had a large family. We were one of those families that if you seen us at a grocery store, you would have said, dear God, I'm not sure that family is going to make it. Mm. That, that was like the testimony. I mean, so when I say that by God's grace, I am what I am. I'm here today. I mean that, man. Um, God's been good because my dad was um, just a sad alcoholic on and off throughout our childhood. And if it weren't for the church, wow, I, I wouldn't be here. And so I'm so mm -hmm. thankful for that. So I grew up as one of those kids that I 
I prayed the salvation prayer over and over again, just, you know, out of fear. And it wasn't until my high school years, I was under Shane Crawford's youth ministry at KCBT, Kansas City Baptist Temple. And God, God really used him and our youth ministry to show me that anybody can have a relationship with Christ. It's not just for adults. And so uh, one year at camp, he said, if we're going to go to church camp, if you're going to be a part of this, you're going to have to give uh, a, a brief devotion of 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16. And at that point, I decided I've either got to get in or get out. I felt like I was just kind of riding the motions and faking it a little bit. And so it was summer of 1994. I decided that I'm going to um, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And it wasn't just um, praying the prayer. It was surrendering myself to him. And so at that point, there was true change. I began bringing my Bible to school. Uh, God used a man by the name of Ryan Blackstock to invest in me, to disciple me. Uh, so I'm so thankful for other key men God put in my life to help father me, uh, mm-hmm. just in areas that my own dad was was struggling in. And so uh, at that point, I began getting involved in ministry. Um, Dan Renault and I, uh, he was another good man that God used to help mentor me. We became roommates and uh, under Sam Miles ministry, we, um, we, we established some college Bible studies. So that was an instrumental time where I was just getting, um, getting trained and experience and, and jail ministry was a big one. Uh, so all around that time, I went through shepherd school. I was really learning the word, learning how to use my sword, had no idea that I'd ever be a pastor. And around, I'd say it was 1998, 1999, I joined a prayer support team, which KCBT had several of them for Mm -hmm. uh, support a missionary all around the globe. It could be domestic or it could be across the seas. Well, I was Mm -hmm. always drawn to uh, Mike Blake and the Maple City Baptist Church. And I got to know him through some of our church camps when I was a youth. He'd come in and do the speaking. And so I joined his prayer team, and I was always attracted to just the work that God was doing there in this this small, small city of 10,000 people. And mm-hmm. just the, the faith that this man had and uh, the tenacity, I, I just got to see um, prayers answered. And so... We had this neat relationship for years, and gosh, about 2005 it would have been when uh, I felt the Lord was calling us to to help the work that was in Maple City Baptist. And so, uh, long story short, I prayed for nine months, just gave this to the Lord for nine months, and said, God, you need to confirm, you know, close this door if it's not your will. And so, um, he used his word, his spirit in the church to just make it very clear that this is where he wants us. And it was um, through steps of faith, getting out of our comfort zone. I remember a message God used from Alan Shelby on Peter stepping out of the boat, getting into the waters of the incredible. And uh, God really used that to help solidify some of this. So we uh, we wound up in Monmouth in 2006, and uh, that's when we started establishing our family and um, I became assistant pastor here at Maple City Baptist Church. And so between discipleship, the Bible Institute, uh, I began investing in our youth. So uh, at the time, children's ministry wasn't on the radar, but it would have been about three years after we had been here. Uh, we had a good couple um, in charge of our children's ministry, but 
they were struggling getting enough volunteers to to teach the mm. kids, which is a pretty common issue. Yeah. So right. one year, uh, it would have been I think two thousand eight. We we made the decision we're gonna we're gonna shut down the children's classes and we're gonna have parenting from the pew. We're gonna have family style service that year, and we had mm. we had a nursery and for the the toddlers classes. But so what that did was it actually got moms and dads motivated to say, hey, you need help. I'll jump in. So it, it was a great move. But at that point in time, we needed some administration in our children's ministry. And so that was the idea when I took over um, was just to administrate it and say, OK, let's um, let's make sure we're doing this the right way. We're shepherding the children's hearts. And of course, there's a lot of administration that goes on with you know trying to mm-hmm. run schedules and trying to get teacher training. And I don't know if you remember Larry and Charlotte Franklin, but God really used them at that point in time to help me. I grew up under Larry Franklin at KCBT, so I mm. sat under him, and I, I respect them that they're still after it at the age that they're at today, and I, I just love it. They're still doing children's they're, ministry? They're, they're traveling around the world doing teacher training seminars. So oh, we wow. had them do a teacher training seminar in 2000, I want to say it's 2009 was the first time, and that's whenever... I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to actually get behind this thing and yeah. I, I got to give it my all if, cause you know, we wear a lot of hats here doing different things. And I, I thought, yeah, I can't make children's ministry a part-time ministry. And so I had little kids of my own at the time I was coaching soccer at the YMCA. Um, I was doing volunteer work in the schools. So God was even opening doors, uh, in the community where it just mm-hmm. complimented that, um, this is where we need to put our investments in. Right. So, you know, what you're saying, I think, is really important. So you mentioned that when you first got to Monmouth, there wasn't necessarily a church-wide commitment to children's ministry. And that is fairly common, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're an adult, uh, you're in charge, (laughs) and you can do whatever ministry you want to do, and you can be involved in church at whatever level you want to be involved with. And often, uh, as adults... We neglect the ministries uh, that don't uh, entertain us or bring us immediate value. And you talked about the idea of just shutting down children's ministry completely as a wake-up call. I think that's super interesting. Maybe you could talk a little bit about why children's ministry is so important and why it needs to be prioritized by every member of the church, uh, from pastors down to uh, volunteers and and, uh, laity. No, that's that's a great great thing to begin talking about because um, it starts off with I would say it is a scientific fact that core values, beliefs, lifelong habits, they're formed, and this is by George Barna's statistics, but they're all formed between the ages of five and twelve, mm-hmm. and and I don't think anybody would argue with that. So. Uh, I believe the scripture even solidifies that too in Proverbs 8 when it says, wisdom says, those that seek me early will find me. So Mm -hmm. you can definitely see a pattern in people's lives that in those foundational years of of a child, when when that concrete's not formed yet, when it's still developing and it's it's going quick because time flies, but it's beginning Mm -hmm. to harden, but there's still some shaping that can be done. And I think it's vital that we take advantage of that for the kingdom of God's sake, because if we don't, 
this world will. <laughs> the, the devil, who's been watching human history for 6,000 years, um, mm-hmm. he, he knows that children are where it's at. And so um, we know that he tries to prevent children from coming to Jesus. We see that in the Gospels. And if he can accomplish what he did with Eve back in the garden, which was really, you know, we know he twisted scripture, he misquoted scripture, all that. But what he did with Eve was he convinced her that God was holding out on her. My mm-hmm. goodness, it's interesting to see how many kids have that same mindset today because all they see is the negative around them. They see a, a loser for a father. And so mm-hmm. they immediately tie that in with God and they say, well, if, if that's how my dad is, my home is, and I don't want a father like that. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a major need for investment in these children so that they can get a biblical perspective of, of who God really is and how much they're loved. And so um, that's the first reason I'd say it's because it, we're dealing with their formative years and yeah. um, it's foundational. But I would also say this, and I think most would agree, and that's that the homes today, the society today, I, I feel like there's more than ever a lack of leadership today. There's a lack mm-hmm. of authority. And so what that's doing is causing kids and adolescents to, to make decisions for themselves. And this may sound harsh, but the Bible says foolishness is found in the heart of a child. I mean, they're, right. they're, they're, not, they're not capable. Now, there are capable decisions that can be made when it comes to certain things. But as a right. whole, our society stepped back and said, let the child make that choice. Yeah, they're kind of raising themselves with with social media and free range of, you know, complete liberty. Uh, Adults are afraid of hindering the uh, liberty and the autonomy of children. And uh, so they're they're left to their own devices. And and so we see so many kids confused about everything from their gender to, um, you know, what their purpose in life is. it's you're right. I mean, it's a it's a very very difficult time for children. So even though there may not have been structured children's ministries in the last two thousand years, my goodness, now's the time more than ever. I'd say yes, it should be in the homes, it should be in the families, but we should also be intentional in our churches because of what we're facing and what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll come back to that relationship between parents and the home and children's ministry, how do they complement each other? How do they work together? We'll come back to that idea. But I, I think it's important to ask this question. Uh, I think people need to consider this. How does a church, how does a pastor, how do leaders within a church measure whether or not their children's ministry is is successful, right? How do they make a determination like, we're in a good place, uh, ministry is strong, or they say to themselves, when we assess where our children's ministry is at, mm-hmm. there are things that we need to improve. Yeah. How does one go about doing that, being critical? Yeah, that's of, a good question. That? Good question. Um, so it's like this. I can tell my wife I love her until I'm blue in the face. But if she's not seeing that I'm spending time with her, whatever the case, it, what does it mean? And we mm-hmm. can convince ourselves um, with anything, if we say it enough. But at the end of the day, I think just some practical suggestions may help. The Apostle Paul talks about how we need to uh, communicate to the laborers who are worthy of their hire. So communicating is putting substance there. 
And I think it's a matter of saying, okay, so how much substance goes into into the children's ministry? Or does it just get the leftovers when doing the budget? Are we putting our money where our mouth is or and just actually valuing children's ministry? Or is it just something that we're saying because we're supposed to say that? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I do think that um, evaluate how much not just the money, but how much energy is being put into it. How, how much uh, labor? How about some of your best labors? Because if anything, children need, they need some great laborers. They need men. They need women. And I think some of the best uh, teachers need to be involved in children's ministry. So um, those are definitely some, the first things that come yeah. to mind when you ask that. I would also say this, uh, I, I think continually meeting with the leader of the children's ministry, I believe that that would also help indicate uh, how, how things are rolling and if um, if the investment's the way it's supposed to be with that. So Yeah. So you're saying as the pastor, how much time are you spending with the leadership that's involved with children's ministry? Absolutely. Uh, are you training them? Are you recasting the vision? Are you continually talking about, you know, the objectives how important is it to you as a pastor mm-hmm. will be measured by how much time you spend yeah, with your leadership. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. So it, it kind of in that same vein, uh, what should the objectives for a children's ministry be? Right. And I'm sure that there are many, but but mm-hmm. as the pastor is meeting with his leadership and as he is trying to address whether or not, you know, the children's ministry is being successful. What are the objectives? What are the targets that you're trying to meet when you are building out a children's ministry or uh, remodeling a children's ministry? Yeah. So first and foremost, I believe that we want to enable these kids to develop a biblical worldview so that they can, mm-hmm. everything they see is through the lens of scripture, because that's that's what we're lacking. And we, we've always been lacking that, but especially in today's crazy world. So um Having said that, you know, you want to saturate them in the word, but I believe the idea behind that isn't just to give them knowledge of the word, even though that's important, but it's to instill godly character because mm-hmm. you got to be careful with kids. You know, we see it happen all the time. There's manipulation that takes place and it's so easy to, uh, it's really gross whenever churches they manipulate kids into praying the sinner's prayer, or they. Yeah. Uh, th- there's so much of that that happens. So yeah, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because for so many Baptist churches, mm-hmm. the primary goal of a, a of a children's ministry or a Sunday school is to get that con- conversion moment, or or really push or advocate right. for that, and in so doing, uh, you really do inoculate true salvation. Mm-hmm. So a kid. You know, I think we've talked about this on the show before with other children's ministers. What happens is a kid prays a prayer, they didn't mean it, they didn't understand it, but yet they rely on that moment. It becomes a crutch for them. So anytime someone confronts them with the gospel, uh, they constantly go back to that. Well, you know, I prayed a prayer, I'm good. They got their, you know, ticket punched to heaven or whatever exactly. it might be. And the truth is there was n- there was no true salvation. There was no true exactly. moment of repentance or faith in Christ. And you've effectively uh, <laughs> ruined that kid's spiritual development because 
you have hindered the, the greatest work that God does, and that's that's the work of salvation. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you brought yeah. that up. It's very sad, but and the reason I'm bringing that up is because character examine it's who you are. Conduct, mm-hmm. on the other hand, is what you do, and so it's so easy to focus on the conduct, the rules, the do's and the don'ts. But that's actually what's probably turned more than anything today's I generation of of students away from the Lord is because of what we're talking about, and so. If you can instill godly character through scripture, through the, your example, through just let the kids experience Jesus, then they're going to come to that conclusion as they're instilling this character that I am a sinner and I need a savior because mm-hmm. character is who you are. It's not, hey, you sin and so you need saved. No, it's you're a sinner and you need to meet Jesus Christ. And so the, the, the objective is for them to get to that crossroads where like, like when I was 15, I finally came to that conclusion. I, I prayed left and right, but I finally realized who I was, that I, I need saved for my sin. There, mm-hmm. there was a knowledge of sin lacking my, my younger years. And when you instill some godly character in them, they begin to see that. And so, and I think that involves even not just teaching the Bible stories, but getting behind the why, especially with the older kids, you know, some of the fourth, fifth, sixth graders, and you start teaching them uh, really how to think, you know, because rather than just brainwashing them, you're showing them truths from the Bible, letting them learn to see it, discover it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And learning how to process what they're learning, I think Mm -hmm. coincides perfectly with uh, character Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, application of God's word requires one grapple with their own humanity and with their sin condition. Yes. So like with my kids, uh, one of the things that I've noticed uh, about about their own development is that uh, we haven't really pushed our kids towards salvation. It's always a decision, or even baptism after salvation. We just don't push them. Uh, but what I'm learning is that the more that they learn God's Word, the stronger their convictions yes. become. Yes. And and they're asking questions of their own character. And I think that's really what you're talking about. And that's mm-hmm. such an important thing because that's a lifelong skill mm-hmm. that they'll need no matter where they're at in their walk with Christ yes. decade after decade. Yes. And I would add one more quick thing. You know, what I consider a win is whenever the kids apply what they're learning in class. Mm-hmm. So that's when you know when there's obedience taking place. And that's with anything, even an adult church. You know, a, a mm-hmm. pastor can be the, he, he might be the best communicator, but if his flock's not applying what he's teaching, then he's failing. So I, I believe yeah. that that's, that's success that's measured by obedience. And, and that's where I think it involves also partnering with mom and dad, if possible as well. So, but at the end of the day, uh, those are some of the goals is we want to give them a biblical worldview. We want to instill some godly character, and we want to see application made of what they're learning. Yeah, that's good. And so we've talked a little bit about some of the the challenges that young children are facing in the world today, Uh, but let's talk about some of the challenges that youth and children's ministry face. What are some of the hurdles that that the actual ministry uh, within the church faces as as they're coming alongside parents? And they're helping to make an investment and to, to do that discipleship thing. Yeah. Attention spans are just rapidly decreasing. They're getting mm-hmm. shorter, which demands 
I believe a more creative approach on on the teacher's part, on the parent's part as well. I believe it involves you got to keep things moving when you're investing in kids, keep their mm-hmm. attention. And that, that takes work because the aim is to shape them, to instill God's word in them. But at the same time, uh, when you're dealing with uh, all the other things competing with with God's word, in essence, it, it can be challenging. It, I would say it's mm-hmm. a hurdle. And that's where, that's a whole other topic, but that's where teacher training can also come in handy and where, why it's vital. But, but that's one for sure. Another one would be just encouraging the workers and the fact that they may not see and be seeing the direct results of their investment, but knowing that they're truly making a difference. And sometimes moms and dads, and this is why we encourage communication between the teachers and the parents, but it's, it's often reassuring when a teacher can tell the parents, um, that man, junior was really taking heed to some of these lessons we learned. Mm-hmm. He actually spoke up and this is what he shared. And then vice versa. Sometimes when it, when a parent would say, Hey, I want you to know that, um, he's been talking about class all week and he can't wait to come back Sunday. So yeah. I, I think just the fact that you don't see the immediate results, that's probably one of the things that makes children's ministry in general so difficult. Uh, it's easy to think, oh man, wait till they're older, then we see the results. But that's not true, even though mm-hmm. it's one of the best investments for down the road. But we also do see results now. And we know this, God's word won't return void. So, right, right. Um, but, and I don't know if this next one that I thought of as you're asking the question even applies, but I would say this too a lot of churches, struggle with, they're just desperate for anybody to help their children. There's a lack of volunteers. And so what tends to happen is the standard drops. They'll take anybody who just wants to be with kids. And it's really sad because there's people, it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. If, especially Mm -hmm. if somebody is not even godly, I don't care how great of a teacher they are. You don't want ungodly people (laughs) investing in your kids so um, often we've seen people who don't want to be in there, but they're only in there because nobody else is willing to. Well, it's sad because kids can see that. Kids can tell if yeah. somebody doesn't want to be in there. So that's a whole other issue, too. It's a hurdle just getting enough laborers to buy into the vision that, wow, they, they need me. And I found this to be true. Um, I think if you jump in where there's a need, God's going to change your heart. If you've got a, a soft heart towards where he wants you, then he'll, you say, I don't have a heart for children. I believe he'll give you a heart for children if that's where he wants you, but you got to mm-hmm. be open for that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important because I, you know, I think that the investment in children, obviously, uh, the value of it outweighs the perception of the ministry mm-hmm. itself. And I think if a lot of people who claim to be uh, serious about souls were willing to just give some time to children, uh, that they would see an impact and a change um, that would, you know, definitely affect them long term. I mean, mm-hmm. just being with kids and hearing how some, you know, you, the Bible says that, that children are foolish, their hearts are foolish. And, um, I think that foolishness, that naivety, that innocence 
is so wonderful and refreshing, despite the behavior issues that you run into in children's ministry and, and the different things that you, you run into, it's very refreshing to be with someone who has simple questions about who Jesus is. And I think Absolutely. that's one of the wonderful things that people discover when they get involved with children's ministry. Absolutely. You're on it, man. Yeah, there's so many times whenever I'm searching for an answer, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of a counseling situation that I'm involved in, and I'm just like trying to find it. And my brain's, you know how it is, you're just, or you're mm -hmm. getting ready to, to preach a hard passage. And you realize when you're working with kids that, dude, I'm overthinking this thing. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. just the simplicity of working with children, even when I was, when I was reading my younger girls books, when they were kids, I'm like, wow, I, I need to go back to the simplicity of mm -hmm. what this thing's all about. It just puts things in perspective. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. I'm Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, Ohio, and a recent graduate of the Living Faith Bible Institute. LFBI was a great chance for me to grow, to learn, to continue my education without having to take time away from my family or my own ministry. In fact, being able to take classes at my own pace ultimately allowed me to be more effective in my ministry. I can't tell you how invaluable it is for LFBI to be structured in such a way that you're encouraged to implement what you learn in ministry and not just sit on the information for yourself. It was a great experience to hear from a variety of instructors uh, from other ministries and parts of the country in tandem with serving my local church. Through LFBI, I received a library of resources that I'll be able to reference for the rest of my life. It was curated by the experience and the countless hours of study put in by the instructors. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all those that invested in and equipped me for the work of the Lord. In addition to the information and resources, I was able to develop relationships with so many of the students and the instructors that have impacted my life and the way that I view ministry. There was a lot of info to retain and there's still a lot that I don't know, but perhaps the greatest takeaway from LFBI is the confidence to be able to compare scripture with scripture and rightly divide the word of truth so that I can be certain of what God says for myself. This is an approach to the Bible that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So if anyone's interested in learning what God's word has to say, I'd encourage you to sign up for the Living Faith Bible Institute. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. And now back to the show. Now, you mentioned that one of the hurdles was um, the communication between parents and, and children's workers, children's uh, ministry volunteers. And, and one of the things that I've recognized with my own kids that I really do value any feedback, whether it be just their behavior that day or um, things that they're seeing in, the in their character, whether good or bad. Now, that, that requires to receive that as a parent. Uh, or for a parent to give feedback to a children's worker, uh, that requires a, a particular heart attitude, I think, that constructive feedback, because you could receive it in a, in a defensive posture. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important uh, to, to have that communication, but also have the right heart as it concerns that kind of communication? Why is it, why is it important to not be defensive about it? Well, you know how that goes when, when there's any kind of barrier that's hindering communication, it's easy for vain imaginations to then creep in. And before you know it, and this happens, I've seen it happen in, in this situation where 
you've got a parent that they think that their child is burdensome and the easy solution is to stop bringing their child to church. They get Mm. discouraged. One of the biggest reasons that I don't like this, but one of the biggest reasons parents come to church is because of kids. You know, God, God actually uses that to draw mom and dads in the doors. And mm-hmm. um, so I think we need to be good stewards there. And it doesn't mean we bend over backwards and enable moms and dads. We we help them and we we, we don't even have the answers. We're not professionals, but we love their kids and we treat it as a we're here to partner with you. So what mm-hmm. can we do to help you? And because we know this, the home is the family unit that God set up. And so if we can invest in mom and dad and equip them to be the parents God's called them to be, and I think that that's a whole other issue, but when you can you know, help them on the side and offer parenting classes and all those things, then mm-hmm. uh, I think they can see that you've got some credibility to communicate with them. They're going to want to hear what you have to say. And we've found that simple, like through Facebook groups, that's still the best way right now that our our teachers communicate with parents. I've told our teachers in the past, every little issue you find with junior, mom and dad don't need to know about that. (laughs) You know, we don't want to discourage Mm -hmm. them. But if anything, more for the positive and say, hey, I just want to let you know that uh, I was super impressed with with his attention this morning. That'll go a long way. Pictures. Send a picture to mom and dad. They love seeing pictures mm-hmm. of their kids. So we could yeah. go on and on. But, but yeah, yeah, one of the most powerful instances of this in, in my own life is early on, uh, Shepard was embarrassed about singing. Whenever he got, you know, forced into a situation where he had to, had to sing or sing in sure. front of people, uh, you know, six, seven years old, he was just very shy and embarrassed to do that. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, it was beginning to um, affect uh his worship of the Lord just as a habit, right? So even in a, in a more intimate setting, maybe we're in the car and, and the family is worshiping uh, and we're singing praises or or maybe just in Sunday school with his friends, he, mm-hmm. everyone would be singing and he would remain quiet. And I could observe that from a distance. And so I asked the the Sunday, his Sunday school teacher, I said, hey, will you just encourage uh, in small ways, uh, incur- help encourage Shepherd to be a worshiper? And I just plugged that, right? That's great. Um, and I've seen that transformation, and I know that the Sunday school teachers are aware that that was a, de- a deficit for for Shepherd, for my son. And mm-hmm. so they they really made they were intentional about making that investment. And I've seen a huge change in his heart as it regards that. And so that's a, an example of kind of mm-hmm. what you're talking about that open line of communication. We are yeah. helping each other. Yeah, yeah, that's a great testimony. Yeah, uh, I want to ask about fun. Because fun is so important. It's important for kids. It's important for adults. People want to have fun. People in family, uh, which church is family, they want to have fun together. Um, But we also recognize that for a lot of churches in our contemporary world, the focus on entertainment and, and providing fun has actually hindered the discipleship process because the expectations are... Uh, to to be elated, and every time you come to church, to be some sort of celebration of you know self, <laughs> mm-hmm. that it's it's kept a lot of you know children's ministries from focusing on investing the word of the God, God uh, the word of God, and and doing the hard work uh, of seeing 
kids' uh, lives change. And so what do you say to youth workers who are trying to figure out that balance between fun and uh, investment of God's Word? What are some of the principles that, that guide that? I would agree. Kids need that fun. That, that You'd be foolish to, to even not include that or consider that. If that's the main focus, we're in trouble because other things can compete with that and they're going to totally annihilate. So mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, a lot of churches do try to make that the main focus. And that's it's just wrong. It's, it's not profitable at all. So uh, no doubt about it, church should be fun. I, I've always encouraged our workers, let's make Sunday morning be like VBS every Sunday. There were, mm-hmm. It's like that kind of vibe. There's energy. They're excited. And that's going to involve more than just more than just a spiritual atmosphere, which we'll focus on that in a second. But you want a physical presence, too, where they can see the bright colors. I mean, that's just all part of it if we're going to show them we care for them and love them. And that's, that's one of the things I've noticed about your children's ministry is that people uh, in children's ministry, ministry, they dress up in character. Mm. Uh, they, they come to church like silly and ready to have a, a good time. Like they're really prepared to make the environment itself conducive yeah. to yeah. En- enjoyment. And that's a cheap way to, to make a difference because when you become the object lesson, I think that, that speaks volumes as you're teaching. Mm. So, mm. so I would say the driving force behind fun would be the passion and the energy that the teacher brings. I think that's going to be the key. It's kind of like yeah. this. I think of church camps that I've been to in the past, even as, when I was a student, and some of the some of the crummiest camps we've been to were the best ones because the leadership, the leadership brought it. Mm. And it's the same thing with a Sunday school. If you don't have many resources, if you don't have the funds, if, if you're lacking great curriculum, if you got the right leadership that are passionate about the savior, passionate about God's word, um, I, I am passionate about children. I think it's going to make a major difference. And an example of that is we learned from the late Howard Hendricks, it is a sin to bore children with the Bible. So we've mm-hmm. ingrained that in our teachers' heads, and that's the fact that if if the Bible is boring to you, it's going to be boring to the kids. So yeah. if you're passionate about God's Word, it's going to make a difference. And that's one of the things I've noticed that actually enables the kids to have fun. It's It's exciting. And then you can implement the um, the games, the in-class activities, the object lessons, all that that goes with it, um, the entertainment. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, we want those kids so thirsty for more that they can't wait to come back. You want them thirsty to get the drink of water for themselves next. And I think that good Bible communicators that are passionate about God's Word can get that accomplished. Mm-hmm. And and there's more to it than that, but as kind of in a nutshell, when they can see how exciting the Bible really is, and, and not only that, kids enjoy being heard. Kids kids enjoy being a part of things. They enjoy participating. So all of that ties in with uh, you let them know they're valued, and they they have fun doing that stuff. They they have fun, but it all hinges back to leadership. It's it's really the yeah. leadership and the passion and the energy that, that the leader is going to bring. Yeah, that's good. So 
you know, along with that, um, I think that there's certain things that often get neglected in the context of the gathering, right, with the, with the children. And I think one of the things that I've observed in my years of, of faith and in the multiple churches I've been in or, 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 or watched from a distance is that prayer and, uh, and worship tend to be de-emphasized uh, because those are things that, that may prove to be boring, particularly mm-hmm. prayer. Mm-hmm. Why, why is it important for us to instill uh, the discipline of prayer and talking with God with children from an early age, and, and how do you go about doing that? How do you how do you teach that or create a culture of praise and and prayer in the context of children's ministry? That that's a great question. So Jesus said in Matthew twenty one sixteen that perfect praise comes out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, and what he's saying is the best kind of praise, the kind of praise that really melts my heart, is it's when kids sing. And there's something about mm-hmm. children singing that puts a smile on God's face. And what are the two characteristics of kids that we we generally would say, man, I wish I had that? Um, humility and belief. They'll believe anything mm-hmm. you tell them, and they're generally humble, you know, as a whole. They most of the kids, especially when they're younger, they're going to go all out. They'll have fun. Whereas you're yeah. in the you're in the adult congregation, and everybody's pretty stiff. And mm-hmm. so th- there's a pride factor that tends to uh, creep in at the older we get. But the same thing with uh, belief. I think the kids, they believe what they're singing. And so yeah. when I read that verse years ago, I got convicted that, boy, we're not taking this serious enough. We have got to be good stewards and we have got to um, promote the children singing and praying. And, and so just to kind of think of the things to consider when it comes to that is kids watch us. I mean, after all, I'm, I don't like children watching me when I'm leading praise because I, I usually can't keep beat. But that's okay. If I start moving around and uh, if I get into it, man, they start following me and doing the same things. And even even our preteens start doing some of that stuff. And so I guess what I'm saying is if I'm not going to get into it, then they're probably not going to get into it. They need mm-hmm. to see their teachers singing. And, and why yeah. do we sing? Well, we, we sing because our Savior, he, he redeemed us. You know, we've got a reason to sing to him. And and I know some of these kids aren't aren't born again yet, but if the disciples don't sing praises, the very rocks will. Right. Right. We all have a reason to sing praises to the king. Children do mm-hmm. as well. And so um, I think it's vital that our kids see that God is relational. And that's where prayer comes in as well. Because if mm-hmm. we just focus on the scriptures, we're just giving them the letter of the law. We're just teaching yeah. them knowledge. Oh, no, this is a relationship. And I think we can go about this without even having to use big words when they can see it in our lives. And they can see that we're that God is listening to our prayers, and I think it's good to let them see us pray with them, even if it's you know one on one in class. Um, when they can share answered prayers, and then yeah. we could do the same. And and I think when we just open up and say, guys, I want to share with you, God answered a prayer of mine last week, and and it legitimately encouraged your heart. Share that with them. These yeah. are the things they need to see because it's just authentic. And 
um, that God is relational. And I would say this too, I think it's important that we're sensitive to their ages. Um, for instance, if you're dealing with little kids, more little kids are going to get into it than the bigger kids. And we try to always just upbeat the music. We turn things up loud. Sometimes we'll bring live music in. Um, I think it's important. Now, the older mm-hmm. kids, they tend to be a little bit too cool to sing. You know, by the time you get fifth, sixth grade, then I get it. You know, they're, they're kind of looking at each other. And so we, we don't force the issue. Like you said, with with uh, Shepherd, um, I, I think let, let the Lord from the inside begin to do a work on their heart. And if you can mm-hmm. communicate with the teachers, that's great. And so um, so I think there's a lot to it. I think I think it's important what kind of music you pick, even even fresh music that the kids love. Um, so anything you can do to make it fun and worshipful. I'm all about that. And since kids yeah. love since kids love competition, that's why naturally I think it's easy to use that as sure. well. And I think for parents too, like I have to say, K-Love kind of drives me nuts. Um, and and a lot of Christian radio, I, I, not only is it theologically weak, but um, <laughs> it's just right. it's just not my kind of music, right? And um, but when I'm in the car and uh, I know that my kids love to praise the Lord. Uh, I put K Love on, and you know they're you know they're not looking for the same things I'm looking for in, in right. my worship music. They just want an opportunity to sing to God, and so they want to put the Jesus music on. Is the way that they always referred to it, um, mm-hmm. at, you know, in our car. So I, I listen to that. I, I I promote that by choosing to. Um, listen to what they want to listen to. And I think that that helps feed into it. I think that parents need to also advocate for praise and for prayer. Mm-hmm. You need to pray with your kids seamlessly mm-hmm. throughout the day, but also, you know, you need to choose praise music. I mean, I mm-hmm. think it's important. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so, I think, yeah. I think the key behind that is just keep kind of like with your teaching, keep things brief, concise. If, if you allow kids to take over a prayer service, next thing you know, a kid's praying for five minutes and all the other kids are bored. So uh, once again, leadership keeps all that stuff to where by the time it's done, they're like, man, I wish we could do that again. That's what you want. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just like with teaching of the word, I think you want that with music. You want that with the prayer time. Um, so you got to be intentional on how you orchestrate all that. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they're, hearing it and they're interested in how they might better, uh, you know, emphasize the teaching of God's word. Maybe they've got the entertainment part down. Maybe they are, uh, their, their youth group and their children's ministry is a lot of fun and they've done that work well, but they're recognizing, man, there's no depth and we're not necessarily making disciples here. What are some things that they need to consider as they, um, begin to, to reevaluate the teaching of scripture within the context of children's ministry? I would say, first of all, consider that that's, that's the foundation of everything we do. It, it's vital. Uh, we know the grass withereth, the flower falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. So if we want the kids to experience God, scripture has got to be central. That's where the power is at. And Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're going to get these kids to really see who who the creator is, 
they've got to get a lens through scripture, like we talked about mm-hmm. at the beginning. And so I believe that's going to determine their view of who God is. The enemy, he's all about giving us a faulty view of the creator. If he can make yeah. God look like the bad guy, he'll, he'll do a great job. Well, that's where scripture comes in. And our culture, whew, it knows nothing about God's word. You know, it's, it's known for, it'll take, it'll take the church and just completely label them and put them in this category and say, okay, we're done. And it's very sad because the Bible's not being opened. And so right. um, I, I believe that we need to teach our children a special reverence for God's word. And, and examples of that would be like, you know, like I got my Bible here. I will use my Bible to teach them, not my curriculum. It's so common to use the curriculum and the kids are seeing that the curriculum is the authority. And mm-hmm. we need to continually remind our children that, hey, guys, this book, this book changed my life. And when we when they can see our passion for God's word and when they can see that, oh, don't don't take my word for it. Let me show you right here from Scripture. Yeah, there's a different attitude than what they're getting from the rest of the world. When they mm-hmm. can see that this is absolute truth, then I think that's vital. So yeah. that's important. And in our under construction book, we give some examples. Uh, really, the second half of that book is a lot about how to take God's word and how to make it practical using, you got to use object lessons. You got to look at the way children learn. I mean, there's so many things, factors to consider, but I would, I would kind of maybe sum it up by saying this. The author of the scriptures needs to be ultimately doing the teaching, which is the Holy Spirit of God. If mm-hmm. we are not filled with God's spirit and walking in his spirit, just like if an adult's preaching a sermon from in big church, uh, yeah, he, he's got to exposit the word and he better be filled with God's spirit because that's where right. the power is at. Same yeah. thing with yeah. the kids. So yeah. we need to make sure that... Um, if we want God's word hid in those little hearts, that it's the Holy Spirit doing a great work. And and I think verse memorization, there's great things you can do with that. There's ways to make that fun. I think we talk about that in the book a little bit. But the idea is to get God's word in their heart mm-hmm. and to where it begins to saturate. So, um, I mean, those are the first things that come to mind when it comes to uh, what to consider. I, I guess if anything of this, consider this too. God's word will not return void. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, that's where the power's at. That's where our authority is. And I'm telling you, if if a teacher is passionate about that, those kids aren't going to forget it. They might forget what the two points were, but they're going to look at their teacher and say, I think my teacher loves Jesus. Yeah, there's my, something different about that. My teacher loves me. My teacher loves Jesus. And boy, they they know what they're talking about. Well, because it's yeah. God's word. There's, yeah. there's an, a confidence there. Yeah, that's good. Bo, your your book is called Under Construction. Um, it's a it's a fantastic book. It's a very simple read. Uh, you, the way you laid it out is is just makes it really easy for anybody to understand it. It's not overly academic. It's incredibly practical. Um, under construction, just briefly, why is the book called Under Construction? What's what's the significance of that title, and how does it apply to children's ministry? Well, if you want the truth, the significance was one of our classes is called Under Construction. So that was the mm-hmm. idea behind it. But no, in essence, 
it's a book on how to build a children's ministry. And especially in today's day and age, what with, with technology and with entertainment, with just most kids with a phone in their hands now, um, how in the world can we keep their attention? How can we give them a biblical worldview uh, with what we're facing? And so mm. the idea behind that book was to really lay out the, the values that need to be in a children's ministry. And that's the first half of the book, just because there's a lot of churches that really, uh, they, they lack, I'm not sure they have a vision for really what, what the main objective is. Like you asked some great questions in, in this, this interview. A lot of churches don't even think of that. They just say, hey, we need somebody to own the kids. And it's usually the pastor's wife, maybe a couple grandmas. And mm-hmm. kids don't like coming to church. It, it's just unfortunate. And so mm-hmm. we need to change that. And kids need to know that uh, they are where it's at. Parents need to know that kids are where it's at. And so the idea behind the book was to lay out the values f- straight from God's word. And in today's modern age of Laodicea, how to invest in children. The second half then would kind of look at the how-to, and it's more mm-hmm. so uh, what are some practical ways we can build this children's ministry. And since since we uh, talk about really a construction theme, I went ahead and included some chapters on how to even, if, if you were a children's coordinator, how to actually administrate this thing because there's a lot mm-hmm. of admin behind it. And so it's more from a first-person perspective, just saying, hey, here's what's worked for us. Um, the principles are straight from God's Word. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, Bo, um, man, thank you so much for the book. It, it's an incredible asset for uh, LFBI, for our students. Uh, the book is available on Amazon, so people can find it there. Uh, if you've got... Uh, questions about the book and you want to know more about it, you can find it also at lfbi.org in the resource section of our website. But Bo, thank you for your friendship, man. Thanks for always being there for me and in, in the many years that we've known each other. Uh, you've been a great friend and I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity we have right now to, to talk about children's ministry. Oh, you too, brother. Appreciate you. And we thank you, Postscript listeners, for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. Uh, If you're interested in children's ministry, uh, Living Faith Bible Institute does offer classes devoted to learning about children's and youth ministry, uh, as well as just many, many different leadership courses and theology courses that will prepare you to be a teacher, regardless of what context you're in, a leader, and regardless of what ministry context you find yourself in. And so uh, please uh, check out classes. Fall enrollment is coming up. And so visit lfbi.org to learn more about uh, the classes that we're offering this coming semester. But we love you. We're grateful for you and your time. And we hope that you'll join us again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.